From Advisory Board, we're bringing you a radio advisory. My name is Rachel Woods. You can call me Ray. In the last episode of Radio Advisory, we talked all about disruptors. And at the time, we focused on retail pharmacy because they sit in the middle of a lot of the competition that we're seeing. They're certainly disruptive, especially if I think about incumbent health systems. But of course, they're not immune to disruption themselves. So today, I wanted to bring you a conversation with one of those retailers. I've brought Dr. Sashi Moodley, the chief clinical officer of Walgreens Health. Sashi, welcome to Radio Advisory. Have you ever been on a podcast before? I have not. No, this is my first time. Ooh, first time. Well, this is the best way to have a casual conversation, get to share your thoughts, get to share Walgreens strategy. I'm, I'm so happy that you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited. Tell us a little bit more about you. I'd love to know your background, what brought you to your current position at Walgreens, and maybe what you and Walgreens saw in each other. Yeah, so I'm an internal medicine physician by training and joined the Walgreens team just over a year now as the chief clinical officer for our new business segment that we're calling Walgreens Health. Prior to joining Walgreens, I was at Anthem where I served as a national vice president medical director over our care delivery companies, Caremore and Aspire and was in charge of clinical innovation and population health at those companies and also practiced as an internal medicine physician. And generally, I've been involved in transforming healthcare to more innovative models, Mm -hmm. especially in the value-based care space. And so that's some of the work I did at Caremore and really focused around home-based care models and how those models can be used to go after some of the sickest of the sick in an innovative way and, and get them the care that they really need. For me, this opportunity was very exciting because when I made the switch uh, over to Walgreens, we were still in, in the height of the pandemic. And it was just incredible to, to see the impact Walgreens was having across the country in vaccinating and testing the public. I think we're up to 60 plus million vaccines administered to date and over 30 million tests. And that oh, wow. was, yeah, it was just, you know, really impressive to me. And as I thought about where I want to take my career, you know, this was really appealing in terms of having an impact at scale across the country. And you use the term Walgreens Health, right? This new, this new kind of company, this new part of the Walgreens enterprise that I'm not actually sure all of our listeners understand, right? People think of Walgreens and they think of that vaccine clinic. They think about something that's certainly accelerated and grown in, in, in the context of, of COVID-19, but they think of it as a place to get their drugs, be a little bit of a corner market maybe get a vaccination. But that is very different from the vision of Walgreens Health. What does Walgreens Health mean right now? And what's kind of the vision for the future? Yeah, so Walgreens Health was announced, you know, back in October of 2021. And it really allowed us to realize our vision of becoming more of a healthcare destination. Mm. You know, to your point, I think historically, we've done some of the things you talked about, vaccines and testing, and that'll still be a core part of our strategy. But there's a lot more that we can do. And I think COVID really demonstrated the value that we bring to the healthcare ecosystem more broadly across the country. So Walgreens Health is the new growth engine of the company, where a lot of our newer assets that we've invested in or that we're building 
are positioned. So that includes, for example, Village MD, mm-hmm. which is a primary care company that we invested in. And they're going to be building out primary care clinics That's right. across our stores you know, across the country. And there's also some other companies that we have you know, under that umbrella, like CareCentrics, that focuses on patients during the post-acute care period. And so it really is an effort for us to bring together a portfolio of companies to help manage a patient and orchestrate that care journey for them. And to be that kind of healthcare destination. I want to talk about some of the specific investments that are underneath the umbrella of Walgreens Health. And you mentioned one of them already, which is Village MD, right? You all are the first national pharmacy chain to offer full-service primary care with both PCPs and pharmacists in the same location. And I think you have a goal of getting to, what is it, 200 clinics by the end of 2022? Yeah, that's correct. 200 by the end of 22. And we've also said that we want to get to 1,000 at scale. Wow. So so what does the Village MD partnership and the investment in primary care do for that vision for Walgreens Health? Yeah, I think it gets back to where we want to go and what traditionally we've done. And I think it gets to the point of becoming more of a longitudinal partner, mm-hmm. being that kind of healthcare destination, not, not just for more transactional type services, but really that longitudinal relationship-based care. And so that's what primary care and investing in primary care allows us to do. And when you integrate the pharmacy model into primary care, we think there's a ton of value that can be created. You know, something that I learned when I joined here was the, the power of the patient-pharmacist relationship and how much trust there is there. Yeah, It's something that I didn't actually recognize until I came to the company. Well, as a physician, right, it kind of, like you often think the relationship lives with me and yeah. it's the patient-doctor relationship. But you're describing that that people can have deep, trusting relationships with other members of the care team, including the pharmacist. Yeah, I mean, exactly. The, the patient-PCP you know, relationship is extremely strong, but I didn't recognize that relationship with a pharmacist and how important that was. And now you know, I hear you know, stories all the time of how patients tell our pharmacists things that they don't even tell their primary care doc. And hmm. we have you know, seniors who come to our stores 10 to 20 plus times a year to meet with their pharmacist to pick up their medication. That's a lot more engagement that they're getting with their primary care doctor. So it's no surprise that they know these pharmacists so well, and the pharmacists know these patients you know, so well as well. And that when we, we think by combining that pharmacist model with the primary care model, there's a ton of value that we can create and you know positively impact the patient. Yeah, and it makes sense for this longitudinal relationship, right? Let's not just meet with somebody once or twice a year. We want to meet with them 10 plus times. But it does strike me that, you know, these are physical sites, right? These are in-person primary care clinics. And I know that you're targeting those, or I think at least a majority in medically underserved areas. But this is happening at the same time that the industry is pushing more and more care closer to the home, not just at, say, a co-located facility, but to digital solutions, to more home-based care, to more remote patient monitoring. What's the balance of in-person care and virtual care for Walgreens Health? Yeah. So even if you take a step back and look at Village themselves, they have a very robust home-based care program. So I think we, we typically think of them as the brick and mortar, you know, facility based care, but they have a robust team that sees patients, often those patients that are too frail to come in to the clinic, you know, they see them in their homes. And when you consider the portfolio of assets that we have under Walgreens Health, we have a company that's really focused on home based care, which is care centric. And mm-hmm. that transition from when a patient moves from the hospital to you know, the nursing facility to the home. They're really focused on the patient during that episode. So we do see, you know, the care model 
very broadly. It's not just that in-person component, but it is also virtual care and in the home. And on the virtual care front, we are making investments in building out our capabilities, you know, whether it's remote patient monitoring or telemedicine to be able to incorporate that into the care model. So it's, it's definitely all of the above. Well, it sounds to me like the business strategy is, I mean, Walgreens is basically trying to rebuild the delivery system and is looking to partners that do different aspects of care delivery very well, whether it's that longitudinal patient relationship, whether it's the brick and mortar, whether it's the virtual and the remote patient monitoring. And they're trying to say what companies, what partners can we bring under this umbrella so that we can rebuild the delivery system? Yeah. And if you look at our mission, it's, you know, we want to be the leading partner in reimagining local healthcare. Hmm. We know we're not going to do all of this ourselves. We're looking for partners to help us orchestrate that journey for the patient. But, you know, what do we have that we can offer that's really differentiated? 9,000 locations across this country. Yeah. 80, close to 80% of the population lives within five miles of one of our stores. And millions of people interact with us on a daily basis. So it's an incredible platform for us to be able to engage patients and impact their care beyond what we're doing now. But we know we're going to have to work with partners to realize that vision. We're not going to be able to do everything ourselves. So you mentioned Village MD and you mentioned CareCentrics. There's another partner that I know that you work with, and I'm not sure that I understand the distinction between it and some of the other assets. And that is the health corner. What is the difference between a health corner and, say, a Village MD clinic? Yeah, so the health corner is something that we're building organically. It's not a, an external partner. Hmm. It's something internal that we're building. To understand the health corner, I think, you know, you need to look again at our scale, 9,000 stores. And with Village, what we mentioned is that we're going to build out 1,000 locations. That still leaves 8,000 stores where we're not going to have primary care. Hmm. But that doesn't mean we can't do more than what we're doing today in the healthcare services space. So the, the health corner is a channel of engagement for us to deliver additional clinical programs through. And what we said is, you know, we want to build up to 3,000 of these across the country because we're a big company. And to be able to move the needle, we know that we're going to have to leverage our footprint at scale to be able to do that. So the health corner is it's, it's core to our strategy. But what I would say about the health corner is that the way that it looks today does not mean it's going it, to, it's not going to be the model that it has to be as we scale it. Hmm. Because again, it's a channel of delivery. So what really is important is what programs are we delivering to which patients? And that'll determine what the health corner looks like. Just like we had talked about the virtual space in the home, it's a channel of delivery. More importantly is what are we trying to deliver through that channel? And that'll determine you know, who sits in the health corner or what the health corner actually looks like from an experience standpoint. But it's interesting to me that it also is a sentiment of what is Walgreens not doing, right? You did not say we are going to build, establish, create 9,000 Village MD locations, right? The goal is 1,000, which is substantial. And then it's what else can we do to fill gaps in the other 8,000 stores? Maybe it's something that looks a little bit different. That's a deeper version of that that pharmacist relationship that's that has a technological backbone, but doesn't mean you're building 9,000 primary care offices. Yeah, exactly. And I think if you look at where we're building most of these sites, at least 50% of them are going to be built in medically underserved areas. So That's right. when you look at our footprint, not all of them would justify having a full primary care service in them. But again, that doesn't mean we can't do more in those sites to help patients along their care journey. You know, we're not trying to compete with primary care with the health corner. 
it's really around providing wraparound services to complement the services that those patients are already getting from their primary care physicians. Because we know that currently, if you look broadly, you know, patient outcomes and quality isn't improving at the same rate at which costs are going up. So there is a tremendous opportunity there to provide some wraparound services and, and complementary services to really get patients on track from a disease management perspective. This all sounds so exciting, but can I tell you what makes me nervous about this? Yeah. What's that? What makes me nervous is how you're actually going to integrate all these different delivery platforms, right? Because you are talking about building this omni-channel experience that is remaking how we deliver and scale healthcare. And there is certainly benefit to building some on your own, buying some, partnering. The question is, how do you actually connect it all together to make it a seamless experience for the patient? Yeah, no, that is a, a crucial part of our strategy. And I think that, you know, really gets back to, you know, the tech kind of infrastructure that we are building. It's not that we want to have everything integrated in a closed system. I think we're much more trying to orchestrate the journey for the patient and allowing them to have choice but allowing that experience to be seamless so that information is shared across the different portfolio companies, or even if they're working with a, a, you know, their own primary care doctor and we're providing wraparound services, that yeah. that information you know, gets shared bi-directionally. So you, you do have, you know, that's an important call out, but it also is an area that we're investing in to build out our capabilities to ensure that, you know, that communication flows appropriately. Is the goal to do this for all patients, or are you trying to specialize and focus on a very specific patient population, right? You talked about the journey to value-based care and, and working in chronic disease management. That's certainly something that connects to your, your background. Is the goal to provide these wraparound services for everyone, or are you really trying to specialize to a specific kind of patient? Yeah, I think it really depends on the service. So, of course, there are things that we've historically done and we'll continue to do like vaccines and testing that can be you know, broadly applied to, to anyone. But as you think about chronic diseases, for example, of course, there's a segment of the population that that affects. And where we think we really have an opportunity is with seniors, mm -hmm. because those are the folks that are, again, coming into our store 10 to 20 times a year to pick up medications, to talk to our pharmacists. Those are the folks that really have that tight relationship with our pharmacists and, and trust them. And so they're also the ones, by definition, because they're picking up all these medications, the ones that have chronic diseases. And so that's an area that we think we really have an opportunity to impact because of our engagement and trusted relationship. So most of those wraparound services around chronic disease management will be built focused around that senior population. We'll be right back with more radio advisory after this short break. The Dobbs versus Jackson Supreme Court decision has left patients and providers with a confusing patchwork of new state laws that are upending established practices for reproductive care. With the legality of specific procedures, drugs, and even traveling for care being called into question, Radio Advisory is here to help you understand the latest developments and what they mean for healthcare. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
You mentioned something earlier that really struck me. You said, we're not trying to compete with primary care. And you even mentioned, right, a patient might still see their PCP and Walgreens Health is just providing complementary wraparound services. Who is Walgreens' biggest competitor? And I think, of course, you think of CVS, right, as sure. the other major retail pharmacy player in the space. And, you know, of course, they have a similar you know, kind of footprint to us. I would say the difference is we don't necessarily have a PBM that we're attached to or a health plan. Right. And so while they are a competitor, I think we are payer independent and we can work with any payer out there as opposed to CVS Aetna, where it's much more of an integrated model. The other you know, competitors out there, I think it really it is broad. I think if you look at the health payers out there that have created diversified groups like Anthem oh, or yeah. United, you know, they also have a strategy to orchestrate the journey for the patient across that care continuum. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say, right? We, and we talk about this a lot, actually, on this podcast, that more and more entities are getting into the care delivery space and, frankly, are trying to partner with or acquire physician groups. We certainly know yeah. that retail companies are doing that. CVS is, is maybe one example. Amazon obviously just made a enormous investment in one medical. CVS also, I think, announced just recently that they've got their eyes set on more primary care, exactly what Walgreens Health is, has been focused on. You started to get to this, but if Amazon and CVS and health plans and other medical groups are all setting their sights on getting into more value-based care and employing physicians and acquiring groups to do that, how do you differentiate yourself? Yeah, I think the healthcare market is you know, extremely large. It's a $3.5 trillion market. And there's a shortage of providers. So it's not that, you know, we're going to saturate a market with a primary care group and competing, you know, as we had talked about, 50% of these sites are going to be built in medically underserved areas. I think the other lens to look at this is through the lens of, you know, interdisciplinary care, hmm. and especially what I mentioned on wraparound care, which is involving the pharmacist in that model. I think there's a you know, huge untapped potential there. If you think about the 30,000 pharmacists we have across the country and the impact they can have on patients beyond what they're doing now, especially as we make investments in automation that will then free up their time to That's spend right. more time on, on patient care. You know, it's a huge component of the care delivery model. It hasn't been used in the past. And I think we can add a, a ton of value there, especially when you combine that with a primary care model. We can expand the, the role of the pharmacist in you know, the, the delivery of care for a patient. What strikes me about this conversation is that you've been really thoughtful about thinking about collaboration and thinking about partnership. But let's be honest, you also have to do that while thinking about competition and thinking about competing in an incredibly crowded field. How do you think about balancing those two things, staying ahead of the competitors, the Amazons, the CVSs, the, the health plans, et cetera, but also knowing, and, and I'm going to quote you back here, that you can't do it all yourself and you need to go to partners to fill some of these gaps? Yeah, I think it starts by recognizing where we have a right to win and where we're truly differentiated. Hmm. And you know that's kind of what we bring to the table. I get back to the engagement and trust piece because practicing in healthcare now for several years, especially in value-based care models, those are two of the most important factors in my mind because you could have the best care model in the world, but if you can't engage a patient, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And you know, in value-based care, 
a lot of what you're trying to do is impact total cost of care and influence a patient's disease trajectory so you prevent you know, complications from occurring. And that requires the patient to actually want to work with the clinician and listen to the clinician and take their advice. And so it's all about trust. And so that's what we really bring to the table is the engagement and trust. But when you think about other parts of the care model, we would probably look to partner in those other areas where we don't necessarily have a right to win, but we know we need that as part of the overall care model. So we are being very deliberate and thoughtful about what we do ourselves versus you know, where we partner or you know, acquire a company to fill in that gap for us. What's the biggest thing that you need from those partners and other stakeholders where, where you think Walgreens just does not have the right to win here? What's the biggest thing you need from your partners? Well, I think it's just, you know, an open-mindedness to thinking about how they could work with us. Historically, right, retail care has traditionally focused on some of the lower acuity services or more transactional services. Mm -hmm. And I think folks may have, you know, may have anchored themselves to that vision. But I think as we, you know, move to the future, especially as we think about playing more in value-based care models, there's a ton of value that we can unlock and grow the pie for everyone so I think, you know, it starts with just being open-minded around how we can leverage our 9,000 stores, our incredible footprint, proximity to patients, the engagement that we have to accelerate some of their models that they may have, and also how we could co-create things together. So, I, you know, that's where I would start is just thinking of us in a new way that historically they may have not considered us in the past. But not even just thinking of you in a new way. I mean, if I think about, for example, a health plan partner you need them to reimburse for the services that would be provided at a village MD clinic or at a health corner. And, and that is something that you absolutely need from your partners and some of these other stakeholders in healthcare in order to be successful to get down that path to value-based care. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I think health payers, you know, health plans, of course, are a crucial part to our overall success here. And as are health systems, you know, of course, we don't own any hospitals, nor do we intend on acquiring the hospitals. And so as we think about that care journey for a patient, we know there definitely be gaps in there that we're going to have to find partners to fill. And I'll be honest, I, I work with a lot of traditional incumbents, traditional health system leaders that look at Walgreens Health and feel threatened, right? The word disruption is absolutely the word that comes out of their mouth first. So what what's your kind of stance in what you offer them to make them feel comfortable partnering with you, even though they absolutely see you as a competitor? You know, our strategy really is around trying to grow the pie. It's not really trying to, you know, just capture more value of the existing pie. When I think about the models that we can bring with our pharmacists, and again, the engagement that we have, those are things that a lot of other health systems or payers out there just don't have. And that's what we can bring to the table and create more value together. So while mm -hmm. they may see it as being competitive, if you're really open to it and you think about, especially from a value-based lens, who is well-positioned to really engage with these patients and you know, move the needle from a disease management perspective and, and bring down the total cost of care, you'll see that you know we are very well-positioned to be able to do that. Yeah. And by involving us in your care model and collaborating with us, we can combine drive down the total cost of care, which just you know leaves more savings and upside for all partners. Where do you think Walgreens can or or maybe should be the most disruptive to the traditional way that care delivery is done? 
there's a shift, you know, increasing consumerism right now. COVID, of course, accelerated this trend. And I think there is a push to decentralize the way healthcare is being delivered. I think the days of having, you know, a patient drive 20 miles to go to a certain health center to get their labs drawn, you know, is a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. And it should be. It's so disruptive to a patient's daily living to be able to fit in some of their healthcare needs. And it shouldn't be that way. Where I think we can be really disruptive is in providing, you know, local healthcare at scale. Again, I get back to our footprint, 9,000 stores, 80% of the population lives within five miles. You know, there's a ton that we can do with those locations. If you think about them as spokes, so 9,000 spokes, we can be a spoke to any hub. And if you, if you look through our footprint in that lens, you know, you'll see that there's, there's a ton that we can do mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to just be vaccines or testing. It can be anything that we need to do to solve the problem in that local market for the, the healthcare delivery system. So that's kind of the lens that I look through it is that we've got 9,000 locations. There are places, you know, for people to come to, but there are also places from which we can deliver care into the community from almost as fulfillment centers. So from that last mile of healthcare, which I think is the crucial piece, there's a ton that we can do with our platform. And that's where I think we're going to be the most disruptive. But you are also competing in a pretty crowded field. And we we talked about some of the direct competitors to, to Walgreens Health, and there are plenty others that we haven't actually talked about yet. Are there other kinds of disruption that you're worried about or maybe that you're envious of that you're you kind of wish that Walgreens Health could be doing or or have on your own horizons? No, I think you, you had mentioned this earlier, but we saw during COVID the explosion of you know virtual care. So while that is a you know a threat, are, are folks still gonna come to get care, you know, in person or they're just gonna get their care in the future, you know, in a through telemedicine. And while we did see an you know, explosion of virtual care, I think we're starting to see it plateauing now. I don't think it's ever going to go back to the rates at which it was pre-pandemic. But I still think there's going to be a place, uh, an important place for in-person care, especially among seniors and those with chronic diseases. So while I do think the virtual care companies out there are a potential competitor to our model, I think there's always going to be a space for in-person care, especially mm-hmm. the population that we're going after from a value-based lens, which is those with chronic diseases, and especially those you know, seniors, where in-person care and relationships are still very important. I think it's still going to be you know, there, but I think we'll, we'll see right where virtual care ends up you know, settling down after the, the pandemic kind of, uh, hopefully we're, 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 you know, it's behind us, where virtual care will end up being in terms of the proportion of visits that patients utilize it for versus traditional in-person care. You mentioned earlier that you just finished your first year at Walgreens Health. I'm curious, what is the biggest thing that excites you about the company's future? You know, it was a visit that I did last year. Uh, I think it was in October uh, or November. I visited one of the health corners that we just launched here in California. And while waiting at the back of the store, I met a couple that was waiting in line to pick up a prescription. And I started talking to this couple and you know, they had mentioned that they'd be coming to the same Walgreens for 10 years or, or more. Wow. Even though they had moved. They, they were living in Orange County and they moved to, to L.A. And I think, you know, anyone who knows the L.A. area, that, that's not something you'd want to do, drive across town to pick up a, a medication if there was a more convenient option. 
And so I was very intrigued. No. Like, why would you why would you do this? And the couple explained that they've been coming to this location for years because they trust the team and they know this team really well. Coming from a more traditional healthcare world, not in the retail side of things, I again did not realize how important that pharmacist patient relationship is and how much trust there is between the patient and the pharmacist. And it's just very exciting for me to think about how we can leverage that at scale. 30,000 pharmacists, you know, 9,000 stores, and what the potential here is to impact care delivery beyond, I think, what we've been doing, especially as we get more into chronic disease management. So that's something that I, I keep going back to is that experience of someone driving across town and doing that for 10 years because of a trusted relationship. Hmm. Well, let me ask the question in, in the opposite way. What is the biggest obstacle that you see could could get in the way of Walgreens health plans? And how are you thinking about overcoming that obstacle or those barriers? One of the challenges is that we are a very big company. I think, you know, if you, if you step back, we're a hundred billion dollar plus company, Fortune 20 company. Whatever we do, we have to do it big and at scale. Right? We can't just do a couple pilots here and there. That's right. We're in all 50 states or close to all 50 states if we're not. And that means, you know, we've got to be able to make some big bets and put our stake, you know, in the ground. And I think we've already done that under our CEO, Ross Brewer's, you know, direction. We've made some really big investments and, you know, made some bets in primary care or, or post-acute care. And so I think, you know, we're, we're doing this, but I think it, it, it does get back to that point on we have to do something at scale. It has to be big. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to be able to move fast. We can't get stuck in pilot mode and do something, you know, one or two stores because that's not going to move the needle, right? We're a big company. We've got to be able to take these models and really grow them and scale them across the country. Well, before I let you go, I do want to give you a moment to kind of speak directly to our listeners, which frankly span all corners of the healthcare system. They are listening from traditional health systems, from medical groups. We've got payers. We've got life sciences companies. We've got disruptors that listen to this, this podcast. So I'm curious, what is the one thing that you want to leave our listeners with when it comes to this transition to value-based care, when it comes to the future of Walgreens Health? What is the one thing you want our listeners to know? We are embarking on a very ambitious strategy, and we think that we're very well positioned here. You have to start to look through the world from a value-based care lens to understand the potential that we can unlock. When the value-based care space it's really around impacting care, reducing total cost of care, and providing patient-centered care so that you prevent the progression of disease, you progress, you know, prevent complications from happening. And we just have an incredible platform to be able to do that. When you look at the engagement we have with patients, millions of people coming through our doors, you know, every day, 30,000 pharmacists across the country. And you look at the scale of what we were able to do during COVID, over 60 million vaccines administered, over 30 million COVID tests performed. There's a ton of potential here for us to move the needle beyond what we've historically done by using our platform. So the potential is there, and I'm just very excited for folks to understand how our footprint and our assets and portfolio of assets can really move the needle and impact care across the country and really make a dent in how care is delivered in a meaningful way and bring real value to, to patients across the country. 
Balsashi, thanks for coming on Radio Advisory. Thank you so much, Ray. Look, I know this episode and last week's episode were all around the context of disruption. But I hope you heard from Sashi himself that Walgreens Health, and and I'm sure all of these disruptors, also see themselves as a partner. Frankly, they have to be. So the question for you is, how can you work with some of these new competitors in healthcare so that we can get to our ultimate goal of value-based care? And when you do that, remember, we're here to help. I thought that was good. Yes? I'm happy with everything other than the fact that my computer didn't work.